Former Vice President Al Gore is spending $300 million to launch a movement to fight global warming. We'll ask a former NASA climate scientist if Gore is funding a hoax. Plus, we'll discuss a Supreme Court ruling that gets the world court out of our justice system. And John McCain's comments on the family. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Chill out. We're going to win this election if we just chill out and let everybody have their say. I don't know anybody who believes, I don't know any Democrat who believes that we should continue four more years of the current economic policies and the current Iraq policies. We can win this election if we'll just let the thing play out. All right, that's former President Bill Clinton saying chill out. Well, we're going to talk about global warming later, but he's talking about the fuss between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and their supporters. And uh, the county conventions were this weekend, um, major arguments in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, major fighting in the Houston convention between the Obama and Clinton camps. Now, Obama says uh, even though Pat Leahy has called upon Hillary Clinton to back off and to and to step down, Obama says it's all right with him if Hillary stays in till the convention. My attitude is that Senator Clinton can run as long as she wants. Her name's on the ballot, and she is a fierce and formidable competitor, and she obviously believes that you know, she would make uh, the best nominee and the best president, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, she should be able to compete, uh, and her supporters be, should be able to support her uh, for as long as they are willing or able. Well, we'll continue to follow this developing story, but the fact is this, on two issues, Penna, and today we're going to talk about issues, they're virtually the same, and that's the global warming hype and uh, amnesty, really, for illegal aliens. Really no big difference uh, between the parties, uh, standard bearers right now. Well, presidential candidate John McCain, the Republican, did have some comments today on the importance of parents in the family. We're going to air those later in the program, and I guess we'll ask the question, is he reaching out to pro-family 
conservatives. I'm not so sure he is. Also, seven Mexican-born death row inmates lost their appeals today before the U.S. Supreme Court. And last week, in a high-profile case, we've talked about it on this program, the state of Texas won the right to punish Jose Medellin for a murder and rape he actually committed 14 years ago. Mark Krikorian from the Center for Immigration Reform will join us. We're going to talk about the courts and the Congress and what can we do to further protect U.S. sovereignty. All right. In just a few minutes, we're going to hear from an expert on the so-called science behind global warming. But first, have you heard of Earth Hour? Here is Earth Hour Atlantic co-chairman Mark Petit. He was asked about the purpose of the event. The message is very simple. It was a symbolic gesture to turn out the lights across the United States and around the world. And it was to send a message that to by working together and doing one simple thing, we can do something great in the fight against climate change. All right. Symbolic. He said a gesture and a message. But what about the substance? Can turning off uh, these lights for a minute or an hour or a day really affect the climate? Here again is Earth Hour. Atlantic co-chairman Mark Petit describing what it looked like when the lights started going out. And the Bank of America Plaza went dark and then buildings started to go dark all over town. It was just an amazing sight and it was panoramic from left to right. An amazing sight, panoramic. But will that affect the climate? With us to talk about it, Dr. Roy Spencer. Dr. Spencer is Principal Research Scientist at the University of Alabama. He holds the Ph.D. in Meteorology from the University of Wisconsin. He is formerly Senior Scientist for Climate Studies at NASA. And Dr. Spencer has just written a book, Climate Confusion. How Global Warming Hysteria Leads to Bad Science, Pandering Politicians, and Misguided Policies That Hurt the Poor. Welcome, Dr. Spencer, to the program. Well, thanks for having me. Dr. Spencer, um, I look at the title of your book. Let's just take it apart. Climate Confusion. Um, Where does the hysteria and the confusion come from? Is it coming from experts, really scientific experts? Well, actually, it partly is coming from the experts. Um, The operation of the climate system is very complex, and I think it's a lot more complex than a lot of the experts realize. A lot of these experts that run climate models aren't even trained in meteorology or atmospheric sciences. And if you talk to a regular meteorologist, you know, like from a TV station or something, they're usually pretty skeptical because they know how complex the climate system is, how complex weather is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's sort of a case of, of the scientists thinking they know more than they really do about the problem. So they sort of start the problem. Uh, plus, they've got a vested interest, and I'm one of them. I, I'll have to admit it. You know, my career now depends on the threat of man-made global warming. Uh, <clears throat> so we've all, we're all biased because we all depend upon government money, which, believe it or not, is biased. I can say that. I've worked in the government, and I know how the, the scheme works for getting money out of Congress. <laughs> so I don't want to make it sound like a scheme, but, yeah. you know. <clears throat> so, yeah, the, the confusion starts with the scientists, and then Al Gore adds to the confusion by throwing away all the uncertainties and, and putting his own spin on it. And the media adds to it by, uh, you know, getting rid of all of the nasty uncertainties and only reporting the absolute worst scenarios. So by the time the public gets it, 
yeah, it's it's hysteria. Uh, Dr. Spence, let me ask you this question. Uh, several months ago, in one of his many press conferences, Al Gore said, you know, uh, the time has passed for hearing the usual media counter-arguments or the other side says or uh, the contravening evidence. As a scientist, what do you think of that statement? Well, you know, I think Al Gore only talks to certain scientists in in this field. And he's talking to the few scientists, apparently, who have the, you know, the most catastrophic theories of what's going to happen. So I think that he actually is hearing this from the scientists. And look at it from his point of view. If, if these scientists are right, then, you know, we got to change things really quick before we head into a global warming Armageddon and and sea level rises by 20 feet and all of that. I think he's beginning to believe that this stuff is actually going to happen. Uh, this is Penn and Dexter. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Spencer. Al Gore is going to be in the news. We'll hear an announcement on Wednesday that he will launch his new advocacy campaign to battle greenhouse gas emissions. It's going to cost $300 million, and he's going to use all kinds of ads on major uh, television shows, trying to persuade people that this is really a problem. I don't know, though, how many people really care. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. Um Anytime I go anywhere in this country and give a talk, the, the most common uh, opinion I hear by far is, couldn't this warming that we're experiencing just be due to natural cycles? So I think the public is naturally skeptical about the idea that mankind has that big of an influence on climate. Just like, you know, they've been skeptical of, of predictions in the past of, of environmental doom from scientists. It's, it's like, you know, we have a track record of, of you know, zero right and ten wrong in, this, on, in these kinds of issues for, for long-term forecasts. One of the things that you point out in your book is that if we have a fix to this uh, that becomes uh, basically top-down worldwide, this is going to disproportionately hurt uh, the, uh, the underprivileged and the poor, isn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah, economically, um, I mean, from an economic standpoint, to the extent, you know, that countries are, are free market, the market automatically takes care of energy waste and it automatically uses the, the, the least expensive forms of, of energy. So if you're talking about imposing things like carbon caps and uh, taxes and stuff like that, you're basically punishing economic growth, okay? And any time you punish economic growth and, you know, raise taxes, it's going to be the poor that, that are hurt the most. You know, I, I can afford a, a dollar or two dollars additional per gallon, although I might grumble, but, you know, a lot of poor people won't be able to afford it. And if we're talking about the poor in other countries, the environmentalists, at least, at least the radical ones, have a terrible record of the way they, they treat those people. I mean, it, there are environmental policies that have literally killed tens of millions of people in Africa. And there's no way you can get around that statement. It's true. The DDT ban and, ban and, uh, and right. malaria. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Again, this is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Roy Spencer he holds a Ph.D. in meteorology from the University of Wisconsin. He's principal research scientist at the University of Alabama. He's just written an expose uh, on the global warming hysteria called climate confusion. Now, Dr. Spencer, I'm looking here at some of these chapters. One is called Science Isn't Truth. Uh, what we know isn't necessarily so. Another one is called How Weather Works. 
Uh, another one is called How Global Warming Allegedly Works. Uh, you're a scientist. Uh, we've got a lot of laymen out there driving home today in their cars, some of them listening at home uh, or maybe still at work. Um, as a scientist, would you now just explain two or three scientific concerns or challenges, really, that you have um, that argue against the global warming hysteria? Well, in terms of the big picture, we already know that the net effect of water in the atmosphere, that is water vapor and clouds, the total effect of water in the atmosphere is to cool the planet. Now, <clears throat> the greenhouse gases uh, do have a warming effect, a radiative warming effect, and indeed CO2, carbon dioxide, is a greenhouse gas, and we're adding more of it to the atmosphere. Right. And, it, and so you would expect a certain amount of warming. But what you have to understand is how the climate system responds. Does it respond in a way to change clouds and water vapor and everything else in such a way to, to push back against that warming and reduce it or to amplify it? And all of the climate models, all the computer climate models, claim that it's going to be amplified. Mm. Now, <clears throat> I think I understand why, and I'm publishing papers now on the subject. It gets a little complicated, but... I think the, the biggest key to how much global warming we're going to get from mankind, which, again, I think is, is not going to be very much, the whole key is wrapped up in the operation of precipitation systems. You see, all of the air, even, you know, even if you're outside and there's not a cloud in the sky, uh, the air you're breathing will, in a matter of days to a week, be sucked up into a precipitation system somewhere, and some of the water vapor will be removed. That's the only way for water vapor to get out of the atmosphere basically, is, is through precipitation. So even though precipitation systems cover a very small part of the globe, air is being constantly recycled through them, constantly, you know, like a conveyor belt. Uh, and guess which part of the climate system we don't understand? It's the precipitation systems. It's how they act in the face of warming. Do they act to fight against the warming by taking out more vapor? Because vapor is the main greenhouse gas. Over 90% of our greenhouse effect is is due to water vapor and clouds. And the more we learn from our latest satellite data of clouds and water vapor and everything, the more it looks like these precipitation systems act in such a way to fight, get a fight against any warming and reduce it. All right, that's Dr. Roy Spencer. He's written the book Climate Confusion, How Global Warming Hysteria Leads to Bad Science, Pandering Politicians, and Misguided Policies That Hurt the Poor. We recommend you get this book. Dr. Spencer, it's always good to talk with you. We'll have you back again. Well, thanks for having me, Jerry. All right. All right, folks. So we've mentioned before people ignoring the sun, solar flares. That's certainly a source of global warming. It seems to be ignored by the extremist. And Dr. Spencer's saying the other major factor is vapor and uh, water and clouds. They're not even talking about this at all. We'll take your calls when we come back. 800-881-9270. What do you think? 800-881-9270. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The planet has a fever. All right, that's Al Gore. Of course, he's the godfather of the global warming hysteria. And I really have a question for you because we just had Dr. Roy Spencer, Ph.D. in meteorology from the University of Alabama, and uh, used to be senior scientist for climate studies at NASA. He's just written a major book against the global warming hysteria of Al Gore and others. And uh, we've had Fred Singer on here on his book, Unstoppable Global Warming Every 1500 Years. And we've had many other experts on this program uh, bear testimony um, to the fact that uh, Al Gore's alarmism, extremism, is not scientific. Uh, Here's my question. Do you think uh, we're losing this battle? And why? I want you to call us. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Just a week or two ago, there was a so-called... Southern Baptist Climate Initiative, and uh, some Southern Baptist leaders signed on to this initiative, basically conceding the major argument to the extremist. John McCain, the Republican candidate for president, has basically conceded this argument of the global warming extremist. Uh, Why is this happening, and uh, why are so many conservatives... Um, giving in. The number is 800-881-9270. Do you think this is real? Now, once again, let's go to the Weather Channel. Now, not long ago, the founder of the Weather Channel, this was just two weeks ago, he said he is planning to to bring a lawsuit against people in this carbon trading uh, scheme. And uh, he wants to get the evidence in a court of law because the founder of the Weather Channel says he can show that the science behind this is a fraud and like a judge ruled in England, he believes a judge in America will throw out uh, the goreism. Uh, but here is one of the weathermen. Um, uh, and um, actually, we've got sound right here from John Coleman from the Weather Channel. Here he is. I have a feeling that this is the opening. If the lawyers will take the case to sue the people who sell carbon credits... That includes Al Gore. If they, that lawsuit would get so much public, so much media attention, and as the experts went to the witness stand and testified, I feel like that could become the vehicle to finally put some light on the fraud of global warming. All right, so, Penner, we have this Ph.D. from uh, University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. We have the founder of the Weather Channel, and it seems to me they're not getting 
equal playtime out there in the mainstream media? There really aren't. I really don't know why it is. I think part of it is because this is sort of a romantic notion that uh, we could actually change the climate, uh, that man has been the one responsible for the weather, and that we could actually change the weather. We may be sort of enamored with that thing. But, you know, Dr. Uh, Johnson, you mentioned that group of Southern Baptist uh, pastors, and of course, it has to do with taking care of the creation, their, yes. I think, their motivation. But there are others. There are other Christians who have come out to make some different points on the other side. And one of them is actually Dr. Land, Richard Land, from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptists. So he is disagreeing with these pastors and also people like Tony Perkins at Family Research Council and others. And they're saying, okay, first of all, the the poor argument. You're going to increase uh, food costs. If you increase energy costs, that the poor will bear that disproportionately. You'll eliminate jobs. Just for families in America, you'll raise... Uh, energy costs and household costs. It'll just hurt the economy. It'll slow our growth at a time when we really don't need that. When we don't have the proof behind this, as a matter of fact, we have some stories out there that show the ice cap in Antarctica is actually increasing, that uh, we may be cooling in certain places. The science is just not there, and we've just talked to a scientist and found that out. All right, we've got Noble on the line from Richardson. Thank you for calling. What's your view, Noble? Hi, Dr. Johnson. My view is that the uh, news media definitely hypes it a lot more than they should, and we don't have sound information. Because if you go back to the 70s, when I was in high school, the uh, fear then was that we were going into an ice age. Well, you're right, Noble. The cover of Newsweek magazine said, the coming, the next ice age. There was a, there was a, consensus, so-called consensus, scientific consensus, that we're heading into a new ice age. That's correct. Well, that's where we find ourselves again, just having this uh, uh, over-hyped so-called science that's done, but we are barely getting to understand what we've gathered from being in space with the technologies we've gained on, you know, the global warming and the ozone issues. I mean, that's just recently within the last, you know, 20, 30 years that we've started gaining knowledge on that. And we've seen a lot of uh, reversals, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, egg on the face. That is, the IPCC uh, from the United Nations, their committee said, look, Al Gore's talking about 17 to 20 feet of flooding. We're really looking at somewhere maybe between uh, 7 inches and 17 inches maximum. And uh, another thing, NASA's recently come out to say, you know, the hottest year wasn't in the 90s or the early 2000s. The hottest year was in the 1930s. That's a matter of public record that really goes against everything Al Gore has been saying. Thanks for calling, Noble. Let's go to the next caller, Tuesday on the line from Forney. Tuesday, thank you for calling. What's your view? Hi. um, My opinion is that from the little that I do know about the Bible that is, that this world will end with Jesus returning. It will not be because of global warming. But with that said, I still would like to see people just appreciate what God has created for us by trying to use less paper, less electricity, yes. and so on. It's called conservation. Yes, and uh, Tuesday, I think you're right. We can be Teddy Roosevelt-style conservationists. You know, Roosevelt was a hunter. He was uh, an explorer, and uh, he set aside millions of acres. He was, a, you know... And I have found this as a lifelong hunter and camping. I've spent over a year of my life in the woods in a sleeping bag. Wow. And it's kind of gross. It's, most of it's been in the same sleeping bag. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, 
a lot of people who talk about this, it's the same with the animal rights movement. They have no experience in the outdoors. I've been to Alaska. I've been to Brazil. Uh, and a lot of these people who are talking about this stuff have never been to Alaska, never been to Brazil, never spent time in the wilderness. They, it's, a, it's a sentimental argument for them. But uh, I think you're right, Tuesday. In fact, we, we need to look at the Scriptures. You know, this show is about the Christian worldview. Um, let's listen quickly again to the CNN weatherman, because it's not only the founder of the Weather Channel. Here is a famous soundbite from a weatherman on CNN. The case stems from a father who accused the government of brainwashing kids with propaganda by showing Gore's film in the classroom. Schools may have to issue a warning before they show students the controversial movie about global warming. Finally, finally, somebody. So, can... you, so you don't agree? Oh, there are definitely some inaccuracies. And, you know, the Oscars, they give out awards for fictional films as well. Well, the biggest thing I have a problem with is his, his implication that Katrina was caused by global warming. And there's a number of studies that have been out, and they're really the jury's still out. Global warming does not conclusively cause stronger hurricanes like we've seen. All right, that's the CNN weatherman. Do you remember, if you've seen The Inconvenient Truth, An Inconvenient Truth, uh, Gore predicting uh, worse hurricane seasons in the next two years? Well, the next two years have come and gone. We've had no hurricanes in uh, the North American hemisphere, none whatsoever have hit land. Absolutely a false, hysterical, fraudulent prediction, yet he won the Oscars. And uh, the science really not there to back it up. You know, it's not fair that this is being shown in schools. I know for a fact that at Baylor, uh, in the environment class, the unit on global warming is basically all it is is Al Gore's inconvenient uh, truth movie, uncriticized. And it's not fact. There's fiction in the movie, and it's, you know, if we could have asked uh, Dr. Spencer earlier whether global warming causes hurricanes, he would have said no. There's no proof that that, uh, that that happens, and Al Gore basically just basically put that out there as fact. Okay, so let's get the Christian worldview quickly on this, because it is very important that we have a positive view of creation and the Creator and our role. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates man in his image, and he says, Look, have dominion, subdue it, stewardship. We are called to be stewards. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to till it and to tend it. And that is very important. But you have, by chapter 3, sin and the curse. And God says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it, thorns and thistles. And the problems that came upon this earth because of human sin, uh, we, we cannot erase that. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says the entire creation is groaning, awaiting the final revelation and consummation and that this earth is groaning. And, uh, you know, we talk about the influence of the sun. Dr. Spencer talks about the influence of the clouds. But no one talks about the influence of sin. If you are a Christian with the Christian worldview, you must believe this earth is cursed. And it is winding down. And there are going to be violent storms. And it may heat up. It may cool off. But uh, what about sin? Well, the ultimate solution there is the return of Jesus Christ and the redemption and the renewal of this earth. Um, we've got Brad on the line from Addison. Brad, we've got about 30 seconds. What's your view, Brad? Well, just one quick point I wanted to make. I spent a year in Antarctica as a science research assistant, and I talked to a lot of the scientists who actually researched, climatologists, oceanographers, um, who did the research behind it. 
and came to a lot of the same conclusions that certain areas of the globe are cooling. The Antarctic ice mass has grown over the last 25 years. Um, but one thing that a scientist said to me was that scientists who present reports that uh, claim global cooling uh, suddenly find themselves or tend to find themselves uh, without funding the next year. Hey, Brad. That is a tremendous piece of information. I want you to stay on the line. I want to get your phone number because I want to talk to you later on another program. Brad from Addison, we're going to talk to you later on. We'll be right back to talk about illegal immigration. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This may not be the president's intent, but the net result of what he said is he's issued a two-word Texas colloquialism south of the border. Illegal aliens, y'all come. There's the economic impact of massive immigration, both legal and illegal, but especially illegal immigration, where you've got the the cost of educating children to people who are here illegally. You have the cost of providing medical care to people who are here illegally. You have the cost of incarcerating people who have broken the law. 27% of the are non-citizens, and 90% of those are illegal aliens. You build a wall. We are capable of building a wall along our southern border. You go and you simply make it a criminal act for employers to hire illegal aliens. You even put a few in jail if you need to, and pretty soon the jobs dry up and the access to U.S. will change our whole culture, and it will not be the, the weakness that we have right now. Uh, these folks in Washington just uh, dither and blather and bloviate. All right, that's the Alien Cantina Band. We're talking about the crisis of illegal immigration. And, uh, boy, last week, major decision coming down from the Supreme Court. Do you remember Jose Medellin? He raped and murdered two teenage girls many years ago in Houston. He got the death sentence. The death. He bragged about this crime. He got the death penalty. But wait a minute. The World Court stepped in and said his rights were violated because the Mexican consulate was not informed of his case and didn't get to advise him. Even President Bush sided with uh, Medellin saying, look, uh, Texas violated this man's uh, rights. Well, thankfully, the Supreme Court came down on the right side and said, no, Texas can ignore an international court when it comes to people who kill teenagers and rape them. And if they get the death sentence, that's what they get. And today, seven more Mexican-born inmates on Texas death row lost similar appeals on the same basis. But this crisis of illegal immigration is um, it is permeating every aspect of American society. Well, this uh, Supreme Court decision is a real progress for uh, national sovereignty, U.S. sovereignty. And with us to discuss that and also just what's going on on the immigration front is Mark Krikorian. He is executive director for the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'd love to hear your comment on this Medellin case and the Supreme Court decision. What are the repercussions of that nationwide? Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'm not really sure how the Supreme Court could have decided any other way, actually. Uh, the agreement, the treaty that's uh, b- 
being uh, examined here is called the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations. And one of the things it requires is that um, if somebody from one member country is arrested in another, the police have to inform you of your right to contact your consulate. And that kind of makes sense to have that sort of agreement. I call it the Midnight Express provision. If you remember the movie Midnight Express, American Arrested in Turkey, you know, if I ever get arrested in Turkey, uh, I'd want my, my <laughs> consulate right. to know about it. But if there are problems with that, for instance, if we, you know what happened in Texas happened, well, then that's not that doesn't give that illegal immigrant any rights, personal rights. It's not like a you know the Miranda warning, the right to remain silent, because this is just an agreement between governments, and this is something for Congress and the president and the state uh, governments to work out among themselves through the political process. The reason this was so important is that the supporters of open borders have been pushing in the courts and in uh, legislation and in regulation for years basically to erode sovereignty so that individual illegal immigrants have human have inalienable civil rights that we have to honor even if it violates our own laws. So and in a sense, Mark, does this, but does this sort of uh, remove the uh, benefit for being a United States citizen? I mean, is that the idea here? Uh, how so? Uh, in a sense, with violating these rights of uh, foreigners coming in illegally, them having rights over and above ours yeah, where they can come yeah, in and murder someone and then not be prosecuted. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it's not just there, but in a lot of other areas, there is an odd sense that illegal immigrants actually have more rights than legal immigrants or American citizens. This is one example of that, you know, that if the police don't uh, inform you of your right to call your consul, that somehow you have this special get-out-of-jail-free card that other American, that, you know, other criminals, other people violating the law wouldn't have. And there's all kinds of things like that, even, for instance, um, using fake documents. That's a serious crime. If you did it or I did it, we'd be arrested. Sneaking across the border into the United States without being inspected, you would be arrested for that because there's all kinds of problems with that. Illegal immigrants aren't. They have, in a sense, as unusual as it seems, a kind of privileged status. Wow, that's, that is fascinating. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. Our guest, Mark Krikorian, he's executive director the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, uh, let's back up for just a moment. We've been talking about uh, crime and inmates and executions. Uh, you've studied this more than anyone else I know. Um, we hear a lot of street talk about, well, uh, it's costing a lot, illegal immigration. We hear others on the street saying, well, wait a minute, we've got all these benefits, you know, and all these employers that are benefiting, and we have lower prices. Would you give... Um, your best analysis of the cost versus the benefits of having illegal folks here. Well, when you just if you're just going to look at numbers, you know, ec- uh, the economy, uh, jobs, tax payments, government services, there's really no plausible way to make a case that it is a paying proposition to have illegal immigrants because the and, and the problem isn't so much that they're illegal and that if we just had the same number and same kind of immigrants who were just legal instead of illegal, that it would be okay. The problem is that in 
a modern 21st century society with a big government sector, we spend money on schools and roads, not even to mention welfare and the rest of it, you can't take in this unending number of what amount to 19th century style workers. Mm. It creates huge costs. For instance, we have there's a federal law that requires all emergency rooms to, to provide care to anybody who comes in, regardless of ability to pay or legal status or anything else. Now, if you think about it, I kind of like to live in a society where there's that kind of requirement, you know? Yes, yes. But, but you can't do that. You can't sustain that if you have this unending flow of low-skilled foreign workers who, wow. through no fault of their own, they're not here to rip us off. They're just a mismatch for our economy, and they're going to end up in mm. emergency rooms, in welfare offices, etc. Mm -hmm. Again, not because there's anything wrong or morally defective about them, but because they cannot pay for, you know, support themselves, no matter how many jobs they work, they cannot genuinely support themselves in a modern society. Mark, would you say a similar thing about, uh, I remember here in the Dallas School District, we saw a year or two ago this, this um, secret revealed that the Dallas School District was going to Mexico City to find 25 teachers who could speak Spanish because there was a law that schools had to offer teaching in the languages of the children. Um, do you think that we're running up huge expenses there? Oh, there's no no question about it. And there's two parts to that. Ex the the cost of educating um, illegal immigrants and their children is that first of all, there's just a lot more people that uh, highly stressed school districts have to deal with. Because remember, these low skilled immigrant families aren't moving to comfortable suburbs with well funded school systems. They're moving to big cities whether it's Dallas or L.A. or Miami, whose schools don't work for anybody, quite frankly. Uh, so, in other words, it's, it's a burden just because of numbers. And then on top of that, there's a significant extra expense to educating kids who don't speak English. Now, if we let people in, then, you know, we're part of the deal is we're going to have to spend money to educate them. The problem is we're letting in people, too many people, and we're also letting in people who are violating the law and creating all of these extra expenses. Mark, we've got a presidential race going on. Immigration was an issue, but you kind of wonder now with the candidates uh, that are out there, is John McCain, uh, did he hear the message that was sent uh, against his bill back last spring? Well, he heard it, but I don't think he listened to it. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, the three candidates have identical positions on immigration. There is absolutely no difference between John McCain, wow. uh, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton on immigration. And what is anything. that position? Well, that um, virtually all illegal immigrants need to be given legal status and allowed to stay permanently. That legal immigration should be increased dramatically in the future. And that um, there need to be promises of better enforcement in the future. And that last measure, that last element is the one that frankly, none of them is particularly committed to. They simply see it as uh, kind of a sop they have to throw to the yahoos who want uh, immigration mm. laws enforced. Um, the, uh, the, I mean, John McCain has been saying that he's heard the message and he now believes in enforcing the laws first, meaning before the amnesty that he wants. But nothing he's said or done 
shows that he takes that seriously. It really is a, a, a gimmick. And, and let me just give you one example of uh, something that makes it clear. It's a we gimmick. got about 30 seconds here. He said he wants the border governors to certify the border is secure and then have an amnesty. And my question is, how does Rick Perry or Arnold Schwarzenegger, how would they even know the border was secure? They don't. It's just a gimmick to give him cover for him to do what he and Ted Kennedy want to do, which is amnesty the illegals. Mark Krikorian, it's always good to talk to you. We'll have you back. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Jerry. All right, folks, give us a call about this, 800-881-9270. Are you frustrated that all three candidates for president really want open borders, amnesty? 800-881-9270. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. No government is capable of caring for children as attentively and wisely as a mother and father who love them. All right, that's John McCain, and boy, sounding conservative there, and certainly contra Hillary Clinton, it takes a village, McCain saying it takes parents. Here he is again. Government must be attentive to the impact of its policies on families so that it doesn't, through inattention or arrogance, make it harder for parents to have the resources to succeed in the greatest work of their lives, raising their children. Okay, Penna, that's McCain talking tough on parental rights and on the importance of the family. That's certainly a different tone than you're going to get from Hillary Clinton. But on this issue of illegal immigration, he's not ringing the bell for conservatives. Well, no, you know, liberals like to provide sort of cradle-to-grave benefits for people, especially poor people. You know, we've been hearing about universal preschool. We've been hearing about universal health care. And so, you know, when Mark Krikorian talks about all these poor people coming in over the border and not really doing anything to stop it, that goes against this message of conservatism where the family takes care of the needs of the kids. It sort of bucks up against that whole idea. And so that's why, you know, we've got to address this issue of immigration. It doesn't look like there's much difference between the presidential candidates, so I guess we've got to look down ballot in some of the other candidates. But let's go to the phones and see what folks think about it. Bill is in Duncanville. Bill, thanks for calling. Bill, Hello, are you there? there? Hi, go ahead. The, I'm involved in the construction trades. And I listen to the different comments that are being made. And in the real world, when you're dealing with the higher-end custom homes, there is no labor that has the skill sets that are 
on the qual- the quality of a lot of the illegal immigrants from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Their work ethic is incredible. They they have by and large strong family ethics, and you get more than a day's work for a day's pay. Mm-hmm. And if you ship all those people back to Mexico, pardon me. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, if we end up shipping those people back to Mexico, there is nobody to take their place that does the quality work. What we need is a program that says if they can show check stubs, if they can show payroll records where they've been in this country for a certain period of time, gainfully employed, doing that kind of work, honorably paying their taxes and so forth, those people should 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 get amnesty and we should invite them into this country with open arms if they can't show that and especially if they're guilty of felonies and crimes then they need to be shipped back all right thanks bill for that comment uh folks what do you think is bill right uh we need these uh these workers these illegal workers to uh, pull off the construction that we're doing in America. And I think we could hear that kind of argument from every industry, Penna. It's, a, it's an argument that you would hear uh, up and down the line mm-hmm. from the farmers, uh, from uh, hotel food service workers, and so on and so forth, that you can't find workers who work this hard for this uh, reduced pay. Folks, what do you think of that argument? Is that... A good argument. It sounds practical, but are there problems with it? Let's keep going to the phones, and then we're going to answer this. Crystal, Crystal from Fort Worth, what do you think of that? I think that that um, the cheaper labor is a, is good for this economy to a degree, but why not pull take those people and send them back to the countries that they came from, and make these people that are lifelong welfare members go and take these lower-paying jobs and become citizens and not just leeches on our society. You know, we could really find out whether we need these people or not if there was some way to see if American workers would take some of these jobs or could do some of these jobs. We have tilted our system. We've got to admit that we've done that. And, you know, so it seems like we need these folks, and we probably do need some of them. But we've got to do something about the flow. The flow is just killing us. All right. Thank you so much, Crystal. Let's move on to Nancy. Nancy, thank you so much for calling. What's your view on this? Nancy? Yes, I have, I have a, a quick comment about that. Sure. Um, what I think is, for example, there's a lot of Hispanic people that are here in this in this country willing to work and make a living because it's so hard down in Mexico. Um, and also a lot of... Um, for example, I have a question. What about all the illegal immigrants that are working with uh, false papers? They are being reduced taxes and money that does not go back to them. Where is that money going to? Mm. And also, um, I do agree with um, all the Hispanic people that are coming to this country, and they're, you know, they have um, things against them or they've broken the law. What about the good people that have not broken the, the law? And they are here to well, work. they've all broken the law. They've come in, in illegally. Well, that's right. But the but the open borders policy really uh, doesn't allow us to know who's here legally, who's here illegally, and uh, it does tend to to stereotype those who are here because they are all lawbreakers mm-hmm. in that one sense. And I think it actually hurts them in the long run. Got time for one final call, Dury from Grand Prairie. You're on the air. Hello. You're on the air. Yes, I wanted to comment. I think that is is hogwash what they're saying. 
illegal means just what it says <laughs> illegal. And I don't understand why um, it, it, it's a crime saying that I have to speak Spanish to get a job now. Well, and, that's... And I have, you have to learn to speak Spanish to get a job today. And that's horrible. Well, and ballots have to be printed in Spanish. I saw that the other day, and I didn't like it when I went to do the primary voting. I think ballots in the United States ought to be printed in English, period. I agree with you. Well, we've got to go, Dury. Uh, But the question was, cheap labor, is this good for the economy? I understand Bill's practical concern there. But as we heard from Mark Krikorian, who studies this, it may be good for the home builders and the McMansion home buyers, but what about the rest of us who are funding those emergency rooms, funding those elementary schools, funding those prisons? And uh, what is the cost, though, for that McMansion to the common taxpayer up and down the line? Well, what's the Christian worldview? We've got to bring that to bear. Let's be very clear. We're all created in God's image. So this isn't a racial superiority, inferiority issue. We shouldn't look down upon Hispanics at all. Christians cannot do that. In fact, we know from Galatians 3.28 that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. Um, We're all one in Christ Jesus. I met Manuel today at lunch who worked in a Mexican restaurant. I love Mexican food. And he said, oh, you're Christians. We were Christians, and we, I, I assume he's here legally. But in any case, there's a great fellowship in the gospel between Anglos and Hispanics. That's not the issue. Revelation 5 says, you know, from every tribe and tongue and people. I mean, heaven's going to have all sorts of races. That's going to be a great uh, situation. But the Bible is very clear that we are to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Uh, Peter put it this way, obey every ordinance of man. There's just no way that Christians or church leaders can honor the New Testament and support any illegal immigrant activity. But as Christians, we ought to evangelize everyone we come across, seek to be a blessing to them. And the first way we can be a blessing is to say you need to get right with the law. Make it right. Go back. Get in line. Sterry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.